Hello and welcome to What Does the Bible Say? I'm your host, Dr. Wayne Davis, and lately we've been talking about scriptures in the New Testament that confuse people, that make them think that the law of God, the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God are no longer to be followed by people who have been saved by faith. We've been looking at the scriptures that make people think that way to see if we can discern what does the Bible say and what's it really trying to teach. And one of the books of the Bible that caused people to think the law has been abolished is the book of Galatians. In the book of Galatians, we have this situation. The Apostle Paul has come into the area and taught the Gentiles to believe in Messiah and that salvation is by faith. And that's absolutely correct. But then others have come in from the school of the Pharisees and taught the people that Paul was wrong. He taught you wrong. Salvation's not by faith. Salvation's by circumcision. Because Jewish theology was, and for the most part still is, that if you're circumcised, you're saved. And if you're not circumcised, you're unsaved. And the Apostle Paul is trying to get people to understand that that is a wrong theology. We're saved by faith. You cannot do anything to earn your salvation. And most of the verses in the New Testament are trying to get us to understand that we are saved by faith. But once we're saved, then we keep the commandments of God because we love him. Not to earn our salvation. Not to earn right standing with God but rather to demonstrate that our faith is real, that we do believe that he is the true and living God, and that his commandments are meant to be kept. Remember, we looked last time at a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that said, Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing, but keeping the commandments of God is what matters. Paul wrote that to try and combat the theology that salvation is by circumcision. So because there was the dispute in Galatia, the Apostle Paul on one side and certain Pharisees on the other, in Acts chapter 15, they bring that issue to the Jerusalem Council, to the assemblage of the other apostles, so that they can weigh in on the decision and decide once and for all who is right, Paul or the Pharisees. Now, many people misunderstand Acts chapter 15 because they assume the issue is, should believers keep the commandments of God after they're saved? And that's not the issue at all. To see the issue, you have to go back to Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Verse 1 tells us what question are they trying to answer. And in verse 1 it says, And certain men came down from Judea, and taught the brethren, so they're teaching the brethren in Galatia, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. First thing I want you to notice is, they're saying salvation is by circumcision, but it's not circumcision according to the law of God. It says unless you're circumcised according to the custom of Moses. By the phrase, the custom of Moses, they mean the man-made rules and regulations promulgated by the Pharisees. So the issue is, is the Pharisaical doctrine 
that you must be circumcised according to their custom in order to be saved. Is that correct or is it not? If we scroll down in the book, we find in verse 6, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. When there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's talking about Acts chapter 10, where Cornelius sent three of his servants down to Joppa to get Peter to come and preach the gospel to them. This was the first effort any of the apostles made to take the gospel to the Gentiles. So Peter says, I have something to say about this because I had a revelation from God. Verse 8 says, So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So Peter says from the very first moment that the gospel went to the Gentiles, salvation was not by circumcision, salvation was by faith. And then they go ahead and they discuss the prophecies, how God had said that the Gentiles were going to be brought into the house of God. Verse 18 says, Known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. See that word turning? That means they're in the process. They're coming to God by faith. And now they need to know, how do we live? It says in verse 20, But that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, that includes all forms of idolatry, including food sacrificed to idols, worshiping idols, idol um, temples which had pagan prostitutes, all that stuff. Just stay away from it. From sexual immorality, which includes everything from fornication and adultery to homosexuality. From things strangled, which means things the animals, you would say, that are killed in a non-biblical manner. The Bible requires that animals have the blood drained from them. If you strangle the animal, the blood stays trapped in the meat. And God says you can't eat the blood with the meat. And of course, the fourth thing there is from blood. But look at the next word, verse 21, for. For means because. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So in verse 20, those four things that are prescribed, abstaining from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood, are the requirements for what's called table fellowship. In other words, if the Gentiles will avoid these four things, they can come into the synagogue where every Sabbath the law of God, as handed down to Moses, is read and preached and taught. So if they will avoid these four things that characterize pagan idolatry, then they can come into the synagogue and learn the rest. The implication is, when they learn the rest, then what are they going to do? They're going to do the rest. But you can't do what you don't know. The idea that somebody can 
learn all God's commandments and keep them perfectly to earn salvation is a ridiculous non-biblical concept. Galatians 3 is very clear. The law was not given at Mount Sinai as a way of salvation. It was given at Mount Sinai as a way for people who were saved by faith to walk in a way that's pleasing unto God. So what did Paul write in Ephesians chapter 2 about the way we are saved? In verse 8, Ephesians 2, 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. This verse is absolutely consistent with Acts chapter 15. We are saved by faith. We cannot earn it. You can't do any works to earn it. You can't be circumcised to earn it. You can't stand on your head for three weeks to earn it. You can only be saved by faith. But then what happens when we are saved? Hmm. Let's follow this Ibex a little further down the trail. In Galatians chapter 2, also written by the Apostle Paul, starting in verse 15. It says, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. What, Paul? Well, sin, according to 1 John 3, 4, is lawlessness, or in Greek, anomia, that is, breaking God's commandments. So the Jews who've been raised under the Torah, the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God that in the New Testament they call the law, they haven't been walking in the same kind of sins, in theory, that the Gentiles have. Of course, we know that the Jewish people were just as sinful as everybody else. But Paul's saying, in theory, if they were following the law, they would not be walking in sin, whereas the Gentiles who didn't know the law were, yeah, breaking the commandments of God on a regular basis. Verse 16, it goes on, that's not the end of the sentence, knowing that a man is not justified, meaning saved, by the works of the law, but by faith in Yeshua the Messiah. Even we have believed in Messiah Yeshua, that even we means even we the Jews. We were saved not by works, but by faith in Messiah Yeshua. It says that we might be justified by faith in Messiah, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. There are people who accuse me of teaching salvation by works. I absolutely do not. That's not possible. That's completely anti-scriptural. What I do teach is that if you love God, you will keep his commandments. That's John 14:15, where Messiah says in red, If you love me, keep my commandments. And then in 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3, it says, What is the love of God? That we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. So we're keeping the commandments of God not to be saved, but because we are. Moving on to Romans 10. There's something in Romans 10 that sometimes gets overlooked. It says in verse 8, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So salvation's by faith, he's saying here. And it goes on, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Do you see that phrase? 
if you look at that sentence, you say, well, Lord is obviously an adjective and Jesus is a noun. But they're not. They're both nouns. What this is trying to say is if you confess with your mouth that the Lord is Jesus, that Jesus is the Lord that we see all over the Old Testament. He wasn't just born 2,000 years ago. He's been from the very beginning. Remember John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in verse 14 of John 1 it says, And the Word became flesh, and dwelt, or tabernacled, amongst us. Yeshua, Jesus, has been God, is God, always will be God from the very beginning. So if you confess with your mouth that the Lord, described all throughout the Old Testament, is Yeshua, is Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Problem is, because of the teaching of the Trinity, people believe that Jesus and God are separate, coexistent, co-eternal, co-equal beings, as if there are three gods around a campfire. And they forget the fact that Yeshua is God from all eternity. He's the Lamb slain from the foundations of the world. So if you believe that he is the Lord, then you will be obedient to that which he commands you. Because that's what the word Lord means, is the master, the one we serve, the one whom we obey. Do you realize that the word or the phrase, the Lord, quote unquote, T-H-E space L-O-R-D, appears 5,951 times in the Bible. And 5,514 of those times is in the Old Testament. Starting with Genesis chapter 2 verse 4. Which says, this is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created. In the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. What do we read in John chapter 1? Who created the heavens and the earth? Yeshua Jesus did. In Colossians chapter 1, we find that Yeshua, Jesus did. So it tells us the same thing in Genesis 2.4. Yeshua, or Jesus, is the Lord who was God, who created the heavens and the earth. And you just, in, in Genesis chapter 2, almost every verse uses the phrase, the Lord. And that is the one who is our Messiah, Yeshua. The one who gave the commandments at Mount Sinai is our Messiah Yeshua. There are things in the Biblical Hebrew, the Aleph Tav, that are not translated into English. That just, um, they, they give us so much insight once you learn those things. If we go to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 explains in great detail why so many people who think they are saved are not and will end up burning forever in the lake of fire. If you want to know why I do this ministry, why I do this broadcast, is it breaks my heart every time I read Matthew chapter 7 to think that most people who think they're saved are lost because they have been taught incorrectly the word of God. Why do I say that? It's because Messiah said that. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7 and just look very carefully, starting at verse 13. 
Verse 13 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Destruction means the lake of fire, eternal death. And there are many who go in by it. And verse 14, Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. So verses 13 and 14 are talking about people who believe they are saved by faith. They believe they're Christians. They believe they're on the way to heaven. And verse 13 says most of them are on the way to destruction. Verse 14 says there are few who find the way to life. And that causes me to go, but how can that be? The answer is in verse 15. Messiah knew the question was coming. He says, beware of false prophets, meaning false teachers, who come to you in sheep's clothing, that is, they appear to be Christian ministers, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. doesn't mean they know they're ravenous wolves. It doesn't mean they know they're leading people astray, but the Lord calls them ravenous wolves because it goes on in verse 6 to say, you will know them by their fruits. Their fruits are... How do we live our lives? Are we keeping God's commandments or aren't we? It says, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. That is, look at their lives. Are they living a life of righteousness or aren't they? Now, people will say, Wayne, how do you know that's what that's talking about? Well, that's verses 21 to 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, that day refers to the day of the Lord, to the day of judgment, to the day that it's decided whether we will live eternally with the Lord our God or burn forever in the lake of fire. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I'll declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Lawlessness, again, anomia, that which is contrary to the nomos, to the law of God. So if your lifestyle is to break the Sabbath, to eat pigs, to keep pagan festivals instead of the festivals of the Lord, you are practicing lawlessness. And when you come to Judgment Day... And expect to hear the Lord say, well done, my good and faithful servant. He says, what you're going to hear instead is, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. It doesn't mean we're saved by keeping commandments. It means that if we're saved, we will naturally keep the commandments of God. Because the new covenant of Jeremiah 31, verses 31 to 33, also recorded for us in Hebrews chapter 8, tells us that if you are a participant in the new covenant, then the law is written on your hearts and minds. 
It's not been discarded. It's not been done away with. The word fulfilled in Matthew chapter 5 doesn't mean what most people think it means. Let's jump over there for a minute. Matthew chapter 5. And feel free to follow along with me in your Bibles if you have one with you. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 17. Messiah himself said, Do not think that I came to destroy or the, the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And people say, see, he fulfilled the commandment, so they're done away with. That's not what this word fulfill means. This word in Greek is plerosai, and it's from the root verb plerao. And this verb means to fulfill in terms of fill up our understanding. Paul uses this same verb in a book of Romans to say, I have fully preached the gospel. By fully the preaching the gospel, did it go away? No. Did it become unimportant? No. Do we still have to accept the gospel and let it be written on us? Absolutely. So that's the same word here. What he's saying in a Jewish idiom is that the scribes and Pharisees have been teaching the people the law, but they've been teaching it incorrectly. They've been teaching it as a way of salvation, and it never was meant to be that. So Messiah came to explain the law so that we would understand it, so that we could follow it, so that we could apply it to our lives. And look, verse 18 goes on to say, For assuredly, which in Hebrew is simply Amen. It's really true. I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away. Have heaven and earth passed away? No. That's not until the end of the millennial kingdom in Revelation chapter 21. So till heaven and earth pass away, one jot, that's the Hebrew letter Yod, the smallest of the Hebrew letters, looks like an apostrophe, or one tittle, which is a piece of a letter that would cause you to confuse, say, the letter Dalit for the letter Resh, so that you would get the letter wrong. So not the smallest letter or the smallest piece of a letter. It says, well, by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. That is a different word fulfilled than the one in 17. That one is genitai. And that one means until all prophecy has been fulfilled. So it's Hebrew parallelism. That's fulfilled at the same time that heaven and earth pass away at the end of the book of Revelation. When Revelation is completed, all prophecy has been fulfilled. Till then, the Lord himself says, not the smallest letter or piece of a letter will pass from the law. It simply won't happen. Look at verse 19. Whoever therefore, whoever means any person, Jew or Gentile, Therefore means because not the smallest letter or piece of a letter will pass from the law. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments. These commandments refer to the commandments of the law, the Torah, the commandments, statutes, and judgments of God. And teaches them and so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What is that? You will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven.
what was wrong with the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. I grew up being taught that while well, they kept the law of God down to the smallest minutia, I was really surprised to find out, no, they did not. Look at Matthew chapter 15. Messiah tells us why he has such a problem with the doctrine of the scribes and Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 7, it says hypocrites. The word hypocrite just means actor, one who pretends to be something they're not. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, that is, they call me Lord, Lord. But their heart is far from me. If you love me, the scripture says, you'll keep my commandments. They're not keeping his commandments. It says, and in vain, or emptiness, without value, of no good, they worship me, teaching his doctrines the commandments of men. So they've laid aside the commandments of God and substitute and form their man-made commandments. And the Lord says, if you're keeping man's commandments and not God's commandments, then your worship is vain. It is useless. It is worthless. Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Messiah himself says, But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Again, you see, Lord, Lord, referring to the word Lord that appears those 5,500 plus times throughout the whole Old Testament. That's our Messiah, Yeshua. It says in the book of Isaiah, there is no other God, there is no other Savior, there is no other Redeemer. That's talking about our Messiah, Yeshua. But Wayne, didn't Paul say that we're to stop keeping God's commandments? The answer is no. Remember Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? His answer, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Meaning once you've been saved by faith, you have been baptized into Messiah. Put away the sin. That was the old man. The purpose of baptism is to say, I'm born anew. I am a new person. I'm not that same sinner I was. I am repenting. But Wayne, doesn't our faith make the law void? No. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 31. Do we then make void the law through faith? Paul's answer, certainly not. On the contrary, we established the law. And then remember, in 1 John chapter 3, let's turn to 1 John chapter 3. It says in verse 4, whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. That's what it is. So if you're living in sin, breaking the commandments of God, Messiah said you're on the road to the lake of fire. You are not on the way to heaven. It's because you are not saved by faith. If you are saved by faith, then you're in the New Testament, the New Covenant. The law will be written upon your hearts and minds. It becomes your heart's desire to do them. And you will walk in 
faithfulness before God. If we look just a little further in 1 John chapter 3, verse 10, it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Manifest means made obvious. Here's how you tell one from the other. It says, Whoever does not practice righteousness, and righteousness is the opposite of lawlessness, we learn from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. So, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. It means you've not been born again. You've been told you've been born again. You've been told you've been saved by faith. But if you truly have been, your life will change and you will keep the commandments of God. Not to earn your salvation. You can't do that. It's so that you can demonstrate to God that you have been saved by faith. Remember in Genesis chapter 15, God says to, well, the scripture says that Abraham believed God and God accounted it to him for righteousness. But then he tested Abraham in Genesis chapters 21 and 22 and said, now I know that you fear God because Abraham did exactly what God told him to do. That to God is the demonstration of our faith. It is the proof text. If you have any questions about this, please go to my website at john1415.org where you will find extensive teachings on all these topics.